Welcome to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast featuring Pastor Mark Miner, where we will journey together to help you grasp how the Bible fits together to provide a coherent, understandable, and historical book. The purpose of this podcast is not to convince, but to help you understand. Not to defend, but to connect the dots of this most amazing book. Not to debate, but to discover the plan of the Bible. There is a plan. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave us a review. It really does help us. And now, here's Pastor Mark. Well, whether you're driving down the road in your car, uh, doing your daily workout perhaps, maybe on a run, uh, maybe it's lunch break, or maybe this is your devotion. And I would thank you for allowing the 24-Minute Bible Podcast to be your devotion Uh, But uh, I welcome you today as we look at the book of Hebrews, Hebrews and the Temple of God. I want to just start today with a little bit of review because we've we've been working our way. This is episode 29. If you've been with me through much or most of this episode or this, uh, excuse me, this journey, our simple journey through the Bible, uh, hopefully you've, you've picked up a lot, but we've started at the Old Testament and we came through the Old Testament. Then we've, we've made our way through the New Testament. Just to do a little review, the first four books of the Bible, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels we call them, and that tells the story of Jesus. And then there's the book of Acts, which begins with the ascension of Jesus to heaven and ends with the Gospel going out to the entire world, basically the Roman world. And so we uh, talked about that, and then we looked at the letters of the Apostle Paul, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and on the 13 letters of Paul. And we talked about how each one of those letters, 10 of them written to uh, churches in the Roman Empire, three of them written to individuals, but how those letters impacted, cemented, trained, and uh, <clears throat> caused the church, the institution, or the organism of the church to grow in a mighty, mighty way. And so Paul's letters have spoken to us. Well, today we come to the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is a different book. We don't really know who the author was, but we do know that it's a very technical description. In fact, you might say it's it's a blueprint of how God's salvation, how the process of redemption uh, truly was accomplished. Sometimes somebody might say it's a it's a difficult read. I don't sit around and read instruction manuals too often. I probably should, uh, looking at the way I've put some things together. But the the book of Hebrews really is an instruction manual of the whole plan of redemption. As we talk about the book of Hebrews in this episode, I'm also going to talk about the temples. Uh, <clears throat> I love to go to Israel. I've been there numerous times, and one of my favorite places in Israel is to stand on what we call Temple Mount there in, in the old city in Jerusalem. It's 35 acres of the most contested land on the planet. It's the place where the temple, the first temple and the second temple were built. Today, as uh, I'm sure you've seen pictures of Jerusalem, you see the gold dome. And that is a Muslim shrine. Uh, there is also a small mosque there, the Aqsa Mosque. Uh, so it, that area, that 35 acres that we call Temple Mount, is holy to the Jews, it's holy to the Christians, and it's holy to the Muslims. So it is a very much a contested area. But we're going to be talking about the temple a little bit. And one of the reasons that I'll even reference the temple is because it's, it's in the news today and it's going to continue to be in the news. Make no doubt about it. There is a deep-seated desire among the nation of Israel, particularly the religious, the practicing Jews there, to rebuild 
a temple, a third temple. Some believe that that will usher in the return of Christ. I certainly believe that the temple is going to be rebuilt at some point or, or built on that temple mount. Uh, it, who knows what the political ramifications of that will be or how it will all play out. But that's why the book of Hebrews becomes very important for us as we talk about the temple and uh, particularly for the Jews and their understanding of the temple. So we're going to get into that book, but Again, I will say to you, it's kind of a difficult read, but a lot of things in the Bible are. Don't let that bother you. Uh, we're looking at very approximate and simple, just putting the thing together first. Uh, there are a lot of things I don't understand. I don't understand how a car starts. I put my key in the ignition or I push the button and the thing comes on and I am thankful every time it does. I don't understand how lights work. I just flip a switch and the room lights up. I really don't understand uh, my credit card when I put it in the pump there at the gas station and then it allows me to fill my car with gas, $55, $60, whatever, a lot of gas uh, <clears throat> coming into my car. But then when I pull it out, uh, I, now I get a, a uh, text on my phone almost immediately after I've got the gas. It tells me where I got the gas and how much it was. How does all that work as it goes through the air and it goes through so many relays to get to, uh, get to my phone and to allow my car to get filled with gas? Uh, simple things. And yet there's a lot of technology and a lot of uh, difficult uh, re technical requirements and understandings and applications that are required for those things to work, such as the plan of salvation. It's a simple thing in a sense. If you're a Christian, you understand, you know, you're saved, you're born again, you've been redeemed. Uh, but how did that really happen? And we're not going to get into that much today, but understand but there are some technical requirements, some understanding, some applications for the plan of redemption, which is, of course, the whole reason for the Bible from beginning to end. For the plan of redemption to work, there were some things that took place, had to take place in a very specific way. The book of Hebrews addresses some of those. It was written to explain the apparatus of redemption to its readers. Now, a few things about the book of Hebrews. Uh, we don't know who wrote it. Some say Paul. Could have been Apollos. Perhaps it was uh, Barnabas. Uh, there's a, actually a theory out there that says Priscilla, a lady, a Priscilla and Aquila, who's referenced many times in the New Testament. Perhaps she wrote it. We really don't know. We do know uh, almost certainly that it was written before 70 A.D., because the writer of the book of Hebrews seems to reference that the temple is still in existence. And the second temple, the temple we'll call Herod's temple, was destroyed in 70 AD. So we think it was written before that. And one third fact that understanding about the book of Hebrews, as the name implies, it is a totally Jewish book. And by that, I simply mean 39, at least 39 Old Testament quotes 17 Old Testament characters referenced in the 13 chapters of the book of Hebrews. So it is someone writing to a Jewish audience, someone in Athens, Greece, or in Corinth, or in the uh, rainforest of Brazil. It would make much sense to them. It is very much written to a Jewish audience who understands the Old Testament. In fact, it is written to explain that everything that God did in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ satisfied. 
So we're going to look at three things today. We're going to talk about God, the architect, architect of the world, the universe. Uh, we're going to talk about some buildings of God. Then secondly, we're going to talk about uh, Christ, the final sacrifice, and really what a, an earth-shaking thing that was, particularly for the Jews. And thirdly, we're going to look at the mechanics of redemption. Uh, God is a builder. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you remember, Jesus said that he goes to prepare a place for us. He was a carpenter, of course. Uh, God the Father is an architect, and there's so many things that he has built, ultimately everything, of course, but let's, let's enumerate a few of those things. He, he built the universe, the sun, the moon, the stars. He holds the cosmos together, uh, not with nails and glue, uh, but with uh, centrifugal force and gravity and things that are absolutely amazing. But God has built it, and we can perceive the, the heavens are declaring the work, the handiwork, of the Lord. He's, he's an architect and he loves to build things. He built your body. What an absolute magnificent creation is the human body and all the way it works and just the, the beauty of it in so many of the systems. Uh, it's just glorious. Um, he also built the jellyfish and the hummingbird, the daffodil, uh, and the atom. And of course, the atom is, is the uh, building stone, the Lego block, if you will, of everything that God has used in this physical world to build things. So our God is an architect. But there are a couple of blueprints that we need to recognize that are found in the Bible. God doesn't always give us specific details, but there are two times that he does that. One of them is the blueprint that he gave to Noah concerning the ark that he wanted him to build, that boat. He told him how long, how wide. He told him what kind of wood to use. He said where to put the door, the windows, what to use to keep it together. All of those things, very specific for that ark so that it would save the seedbed of humanity. Then there was a second blueprint that God gave another man by the name of Moses, and that is for the tabernacle. And the tabernacle of Moses is very specific. It's design, every, uh, the, every color, the types of skin that were to be used for the tabernacle. The tabernacle is a tent. The metals that were to be used, the gold, the silver, the bronze, and where they were to be used, the emblems, the embroidery. God actually anointed two men, Bezalel and Ohaliab, as craftsmen and as smiths to create this very specific blueprint that God called the tabernacle. Now, the temple design of later years follows basically the design of the tabernacle, but it was the tabernacle that God specifically gave to Moses. Now, I'm a visual learner, and uh, I, I, I need to see things, uh, pictures, charts, and graphs. And, and I'm excited about this. Uh, it's part of uh, the podcast, but it's also something that's important, I think, and will be helpful to you. Uh, thanks to some technology and some people like Tammy and others who helped me put things together, um, we now have a Facebook page for the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. So if you'll just go to your search and, and Facebook and put 24-Minute Bible Podcast, you will find the Facebook page. And if you want, you can go there and you'll see, and I'm going to begin to post more and more, uh, but this, this lesson on episode 29 here, uh, <clears throat> you're going to see some images. They're artist conceptions. Of course, we don't have pictures of the tabernacle, but that has been rebuilt in, in, uh, by the design and structure uh, from the Old Testament. But you're going to see some artist conception of some of these buildings. I, I simply think, at least for me, it helps me to see the buildings and the plans and, and the colors and just the way it could have looked. 
and uh, <clears throat> so that's what we're going to be. That's part of the Facebook uh, process. But uh, and I, I think it will help you to understand the buildings that God gave Israel. And and here's one huge point for our book of Hebrews today, and really for just you and your understanding of the Bible. Uh, there is a temple in heaven, and the book of Hebrews tells us about a temple. Uh, nowhere else really in the scripture did we understand that the things that we have on earth, many of them, are simply copies of what God has in heaven. Uh, there's a tree on earth, so there's probably trees in heaven. There's rivers on earth, and there's rivers in heaven. So many things that we might understand as uh, the beauty of heaven. But there is a temple in heaven, and what God gave to Moses, and ultimately as a tabernacle and then the temple, uh, is, is really in heaven, and what he gave to him to build on earth is simply an archetype or a model, a visual aid, if you will, of the structures that we're going to see someday in heaven. And so heaven came down to earth in the form of this blueprint. Uh, names are important. So I, for our basic understanding here, I want to give you some names as we talk about God the architect and some of the buildings of God. There are variations on these names, but uh, I'm going to give you three. One of them is the Tabernacle of Moses, just an association there. It was Moses that built and had the design for the tabernacle. Tabernacle is a tent, as I said. So uh, the tabernacle of Moses that they traveled throughout the wilderness with, and ultimately they had for uh, some period of time, until a king by the name of David got in his heart and his mind a desire to build a temple. He designed the temple based on the tabernacle, but it wasn't David that built the temple. It was his son, Solomon. So the first temple... We have the tabernacle of Moses, then we have the temple of Solomon. And that was a glorious structure. You might remember in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, the glory of God came down and filled the temple in such a way that the priest couldn't even go in because God was so present, so there in that, in that temple, in that building. So that's the first temple. Then there's a second temple I'm going to call the temple of Herod. Now Herod was a wicked, evil man, uh, but he was also much of a builder, a very accomplished builder. And one of the things he did to ingratiate himself to the nation of Israel and uh, all the way through him and, and even his children, he added to, remodeled, embellished the temple of God that sat there in Jerusalem, the second temple. And so we're going to call it the Temple of Herod, even though it was Ezra and Nehemiah and others that helped build it. It was Herod that embellished it and made it the beautiful structure that it was during Jesus' day. If you'll remember, Jesus' disciples even pointed to the temple and said, look at the great works going on. It's a beautiful facility. And that's when Jesus said, boys, uh, this generation will not pass away until every stone is knocked down in that temple. Now, that was an unbelievable comment from Jesus, that the temple would be destroyed but it was, and it was exactly as Jesus prophesied. For many scholars and, and Bible students, as we're talking about Hebrews now, this very Jewish book, and we're talking about God's buildings, uh, the tabernacle and the, and the two temples so far. For many scholars and Bible students, these three structures designed by God really are a picture and a symbol of the journey to God. Every one of these uh, structures has three parts or rooms, an outer court, a holy place, and a holy of holies. And the, uh, 
journey, the, the person, seek, the seeker, I should say, uh, is, is invited to come in to press in to get closer to God. Uh, the presence of God literally dwelt in the innermost part of these three structures. That's called the Holy of Holies. In the tabernacle, God dwelt uh, there in that tent. And if you remember, there was a, a, a building called, or a, a piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant with two angels on either side. And God physically dwelt among his people between these two angels. It was called the mercy seat that was there in the Holy of Holies, in the innermost part. And God has been inviting through the Old Testament, uh, certainly through Jesus, and now to this very day, he invites you to seek him, to come into his presence, um, to press in toward him. Even the furniture in these facilities and uh, these buildings were, was designed by God that helped lead into the presence. The, the first piece of furniture was a bronze altar. Now, that's an altar is where things die. It's where you kill things. That's where the sacrifice is made. And uh, the altar was at the outer court. And the, the fire was burning, the altar was sacri the, the sacrifice that was offered. And then after the bronze altar, there was a bowl, a laver, a huge bowl that contained water. And it was for ceremonial washings. And these two things were in the outer court of both the tabernacle and the temples. And then when you pressed on in, you went to a room called the holy place. And in the holy place, there were three pieces of furniture designed by God and given to his people. The first was the table of bread where every day a fresh loaf of bread was set out for one of the for each of the tribes of the nation of Israel, 12 pieces of bread or loaves of bread in all. The altar or the table of bread. Then there was the altar of incense. Incense stands for the prayers of the people. So the altar of incense was constantly going as prayer was was consistently going up, prayer without ceasing. Uh, for the nation and God's people. And then there was a golden candlestick, the menorah, and those fires and those wicks were to be trimmed and the fire was to be kept burning brightly because it symbolized God's presence, his light, his illumination. And that was in the holy place. But then you went into the holy of holies as God invited you in. And the holy of holies was the Ark of the Covenant that I've already mentioned and, and that mercy seat where the presence of God dwelt. Now, no one could go into the holy of holies in the Old Testament except for the high priest and only on one day, uh, the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. But uh, they still had the opportunity to go into the very presence of God. Now, all I'm saying is that God has designed structures for us. And the book of Hebrews talks about these structures. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, we learn that there is a heavenly temple and that the sacrifice of Christ, uh, his blood, uh, was not sprinkled on a gold box here on earth, like the Ark of the Covenant, nor was it sprinkled on the temple there in Jerusalem. But the Bible, the book of Hebrews, tells us that the sacrifice, the mechanism for redemption, the blood of Jesus, was actually offered at the heavenly temple. Not a temple on earth, not a building in Jerusalem, but Jesus took his blood and took it to heaven. Which brings us to the second part of, of our understanding of the book of Hebrews. And <clears throat> excuse me, that's Christ, the final sacrifice. For us living in Western culture, that doesn't seem to be a big deal because we haven't sacrificed many sheep or goats or uh, turtle doves lately. But that was a huge deal for the Jews. To say that there was no more sacrifice? For 2,000 years, the nation of Israel had been rendering sacrifices at the tabernacle and the temple. But now, because of Jesus, 
No more sacrifices. That's what the book of Acts and the, the pastors, preachers teaching. They're saying that the sacrifice was now no longer necessary. Jesus was the final sacrifice. We do know uh, from reading the gospel accounts that at Jesus' death, the temple was rocked by an earthquake. And of course, the temple curtain that divided the holy place and the holy of holies was torn in two from top to bottom. So uh, there was uh, a lot of things that were taking place. Still, uh, a generation uh, after Jesus continued to offer sacrifices uh, for approximately 40 years. But as Jesus had prophesied uh, in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed and the sacrifices, meaningless though they were, were absolutely no longer able to be sacrificed. And they haven't been since that day to this very moment. Now, one of, the purposes, one of the purposes of the book of Hebrews was to convince the Jewish people with holy logic and with, as I said, over 39 Old Testament references, proof texts, if you will, that there was no more need to sacrifice lambs and bulls and doves and goats. The morning and the evening sacrifices, the Passover sacrifices, all the different burnt offerings, they all found their fulfillment in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, a couple of other things concerning Jewish history and the whole idea of sacrificing. There were three Jewish worship centers. And I've already referenced them, but let me just put them in order for you. Uh, the first is the Tabernacle of Moses, and it lasted for around 400 years before it was folded up, put away. The furniture was removed and put into the temple. We don't know what happened to the tent. But after the Tabernacle of Moses, there was the Temple of Solomon. That's the first temple. It lasted around 400 years till Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed the temple, set it on fire, demolished it. And the children of Israel went to captivity for a period of time. They came back. Remember Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, those books? And they rebuilt the temple. And that is the second temple. And I'm calling it the Temple of Herod simply because Herod did the most work on it over a 50-year period of time. And it was the temple that Jesus uh, did his preaching and teaching many miracles in. That temple, uh, from the time it was built to the time it was destroyed, lasted around 600 years. Now in 70 A.D., Roman armies under General Titus uh, set the temple on fire. The Jewish historian Josephus said that it was an accident, that they really did not want to burn down the temple. But Jesus' words were going to be fulfilled, and certainly it did fulfill the prophecy because the gold and silver melted in that oven fire that the temple created, and the gold ran between the, the cracks of the rocks, and the Roman soldiers were able to plunder that gold and silver for their own. So they were prying brick upon brick and rock upon rock and stone from stone to get at the gold and the silver and the precious metal that was between uh, the crevices of the rock. So Jesus' words literally, no stone left on another, came to fruition in 70 AD. As I've mentioned, Jesus is the final sacrifice, and that's what the book of uh, Hebrews tells us. But also understand that there still is, even today in our world, an element uh, within the nation of Israel that wants to uh, reinstitute temple sacrifice. I will say to you, just as a thought, I that it is my firm belief that they want to do that and that they will do that someday and temple sacrifice will again be instituted by the Jews uh, because they still believe that the Messiah hasn't come. Of course, 
the whole book of Hebrews written to tell them and hopefully convince them that the final sacrifice, Christ on the cross, has come and he fulfilled everything. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. So no more blood sacrifice or animal sacrifice was a huge issue for the Hebrews. And so a couple of verses out of the book of Hebrews, just to bring this to completion. Hebrews 1.1 says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. And it continues on and says, And, and after uh, he has provided purification for sins, after he provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So the second part of Hebrews is to prove that the plan of God was Jesus and that the sacrifice was complete and total. Now lastly, let's just talk about the mechanics of salvation for a moment. The angels could not execute the plan of salvation. That's chapters 1 and 2 in the book of Hebrews. Moses could not execute the plan of salvation. That's talked about in Hebrews. The earthly temple and its sacrifices did not execute the plan of redemption or salvation. The high priest ministry, even Melchizedek, could not execute the plan of salvation. Talked about in the book of Hebrews. The blood of animals did not fulfill the plan of salvation or redemption. Uh, only Christ. Now, here's what happened as I close out uh, our 24 minutes uh, together or so. Uh, Hebrews 9, 24 through 26. Let me read those to you. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands. In other words, he didn't enter the one in Jerusalem. That was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself. Here's where the technology and here's where the, the specifics, the blueprint of you, if you will, of uh, redemption takes place because it continues on. It says, now to appear for us in God's presence for he, nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So the book of Hebrews tells us in the mechanics of salvation that Jesus offered his blood in the heavenly temple to pay the price for us. Only Jesus, once for all, at the heavenly temple, at that altar, with not the blood of an animal and not even the blood of sinful man, but the sinless blood of a sinless sacrifice. And that would be Jesus, the mediator of a new and better covenant. Well, I hope this has helped you in your understanding. I'd encourage you to check out the Facebook page and maybe you'll see some pictures and some other charts as I post from time to time just to help us with our simple journey to understand the Bible. Next week, we're going to be looking at the book of James, Understanding Our Faith, the book of James. Hope you can join me for next week's uh, episode in the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. Thanks for being a part today. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to the channel. And if you would be so kind, please share it with your friends who might enjoy it as well. Join us next week with Mark Miner for another episode as we continue to explore how the Bible so beautifully fits together. May you have a blessed week 
and may God be glorified in your lives.